So you guys know about the Garden State? And I'm not talking about New Jersey here. In fact, I'm probably talking about the closest thing to the opposite of New Jersey you can fathom. In theology, uh, the Garden State is what life was like before the fall. The Garden State is what human existence is supposed to be like in the presence of God. The way Genesis tells the story is that out of the ground, God created a human man in his image and a human woman in his image, breathed into them the breath of life and placed them in a garden where they could live and flourish and, uh, and relate to him face to face. But Genesis chapter 3 tells the story of the fall where the man and the woman eat um, from the fruit, eat from the eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and in so doing, they lose that naivete, that innocence that they were created with. Now, within a generation, the first murder would happen, and humanity would never be the same. We would never again experience the garden state. In Genesis chapter 3, uh, verse 23, we read that after Adam and Eve ate from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the Lord banished them from the garden to work the ground from which he'd been taken. And after God drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. The tree of life. This, this tree that, was, uh, that gave humanity the ability to live forever with God. The tree of life would continue to be an important image in uh, Jewish life. Um, in the fourth century, we see uh, a rabbi writing in the Talmud, these words, better is Torah for the one who attends to it than the fruits of the tree of life. Torah, which the word of the Lord has prepared in order that it may be kept so that man may live and walk by the paths of the way of the life of the world to come. This continues to be our striving, the, the, the end goal, the telos, the tree of life in right relationship with God. My prayer for us is that as we move through worship today, that we would come to uh, embrace the truth that Jesus is ultimately the way which returns us to the garden state. Jesus is the way that leads us to the Father. Jesus is the way that is better than the tree of life. Let's pray together. Most holy and gracious God, we thank you that you love us that you sent Jesus into the world to be the way to you.
Lord, we confess that that Jesus is better than the tree of life. That the eternal life that he offers exceeds the promise that was given to Adam and Eve before the fall. Lord, help us to be aware of your presence in our midst. Give us the courage to lean on you when we're struggling. Give us the awareness to praise you for the good things that you are doing. Lord, you have adopted us out of slavery to sin and death. You have made us your children. So now we pray together as your children, the way Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Good morning. Today's scripture is John 14, verses 5 through 14. And it's about Jesus is the way to the Father. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. The Word of God for the people of God. So Jesus has already washed his disciples' feet. He has announced that Judas is the betrayer, and Judas is left to begin doing his betraying. He's even predicted that later that night, Peter will deny him three times before the rooster crows. Everything about the Last Supper is a little bit troubling. A lot of what the disciples thought was true is coming undone before their very eyes. And Jesus offers them these words. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be right where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Which, for us, living in 2020, knowing this next paragraph is very comforting. But the disciples didn't get it. Not at all. They were completely confused by what Jesus tells them here. That they know the way to where he's going. They, they don't know where he's going. All of this is incredibly confusing. All of this is incredibly disorienting. And in verse 5, Thomas responds. He says, Lord, we don't know where, we're, where you're going. How can we know the way? How can we know the way to where you're going? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. And from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Once again, Jesus is declaring his divinity. He, he is declaring the truth that he and the Father are one. That they are on the same page, that they share the same will. That to know Jesus is to know God the Father. It's a restoration of the garden state. This most crucial part of what we are designed to be as humans, as beings who are in relationship with God, who experience eternity in the life of God, it's all coming full circle. Jesus is the way. The way that's better than the fruit from the tree of life. Jesus is the way that brings us into direct relationship with the Father. So Jesus declares he is the way. He is better than the fruit of the tree of life. He is the way to the Father. And for us sitting here in 2020, we get this. We, this, is, this is good news. This is exciting. This is what our entire religious tradition is built on. But guess what? The disciples still didn't get it. They still didn't get it. Uh, listen here in verse 8. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough. Show us the Father and that will be enough. Jesus just said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough. Jesus replied, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. 
believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. The disciples have been following Jesus. They've heard his teaching. They've seen his miracles. And yet there's still doubt. There's still fear. There's still questions of just who Jesus is. Is Jesus the Messiah that's going to free them from Roman occupation? Is Jesus the prophet of the generation? They still want to see the Father. They, they haven't yet grasped that Jesus restores them to the garden state. That it's not even about getting out from under the thumb of Rome. It's about being restored to what we were designed to be. It's about being restored to who God made us to be. When we have seen Jesus, we have seen the Father. When we have come to know Jesus, we have been in relationship with God. Jesus continues, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Do we believe that? Do we believe that the power that Jesus has given us is the power to do the same sort of things that Jesus has done and greater things? Do we believe that, that when we know Jesus and when we call out and cry out, that he can still bring healing? That he can still restore broken relationships? That he can still uh, help us overcome temptation to sin and selfishness, to hurting others and ourselves? The promise to the followers of Jesus is that the sort of things that Jesus did and does and is doing are the sorts of things that we will do as well. And Jesus goes on to say that I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And you may ask me anything in my name and I will do it. And this is probably one of the most abused passages in all of Scripture. I mean, you see crazy things prayed for sometimes. In the name of Jesus. Because Jesus says, anything you ask in my name, I'll do, right? Well, maybe. But that's predicated on everything that's come before it. Anything you ask in my name when you're connected to me, I will do. Anything you ask in my name that is the will of the Father, I will do. 
But Jesus isn't going to do something that puts himself in conflict with the Father or in conflict with himself. Jesus isn't going to give us a gift that's poison. No matter how bad we want it, no matter how much we call on his name to get it. Because he still loves us. In the same way that um, I don't let my sons have a donut every single time they ask for it. Jesus isn't going to respond to every prayer request with a yes. Because so oftentimes we don't know what to pray for. We don't have the perspective. We need the humility of recognizing that we are finite, fallible creatures. That the best we can do is to seek after God. That when we find ourselves loving the things that God loves and wanting the things that God wants to give us, that's when we find peace. That's when we find satisfaction. That's when we find joy. It's not in, in the pursuit of every last thing that we think will make us happy. It's in the pursuit of God that we'll find happiness. It's in the pursuit of God that we'll find joy and satisfaction. It's in the pursuit of God we'll find that when we ask Jesus for anything, that we'll receive it. That when we ask for the garden state to be restored in us, we'll receive it. When we ask to be more kind, more generous, more honest, more virtuous, that we'll receive it. When we ask to be delivered from slavery to temptation and sin, we will receive it. And Jesus seals the promise in verse 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. This is the promise. This is the gift of God in the life of every person who trusts Jesus, that the Holy Spirit will be in us, perfecting us in this life and for the life to come, that the Holy Spirit will help us to make good decisions, that the Holy Spirit will give us awareness of where God is working in our midst. That the Holy Spirit will help us to discern what is right from what is wrong. That the Holy Spirit will help us discern what is true from what is false. And will ultimately help us to love the things that God loves. Help us to love the people of God. Help us to love being obedient to what God has called us to. So my prayer for us is that 
as we seek after Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, as we recognize that he is the way, he's the one who's going to restore us to what we were created to be, that as we do that, that we would experience the same sort of wonders that the disciples saw. That as we learn to love the things that God loves, that we would have eyes to see the Spirit of God working in our lives. And that we would have the courage to testify to that truth. That like the disciples who testified to the resurrection of the Lord, that we would be the ones who testify to the work that God is still doing in our midst. And now may our Lord Jesus Christ go before you to guide you, go with you to comfort you, go behind you to forgive you, go above you to bless you, and live within you so you may love one another. He lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God now and even forevermore. Amen.